Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, Yas here. And I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favor to ask. And that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that's at The Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm very excited for today's conversation. My guest today is a repeat guest, return guest, a fascinating one as well. Dan Abrahams, how are you, man? Hey. Honoured to be back on the show. Honoured to be asked to come back on the show. Thank you so oh, much, Yaz. Oh, no, no, the pleasure is definitely going to be mine. I'm, I'm, no, I don't know about that, but uh, no, all good with me um, and uh, delighted to be talking with you again. Brilliant. Then I'm just going to um, very briefly, obviously, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people that are new to the podcast and probably people that have listened to it before. But for those that don't know, maybe just give a brief insight around who you are, what you do and kind of tailor from there. Sure. I'm a sports psychologist. I'm, I'm not a, a, a football coach, sports psychologist. Um, I have a background in uh, professional sport. I mean, I've had 25 years working in high performance sports. It's my just stepped into my 26th year, I think it is now. Um, I started out as a professional golfer, so I was a competitor. Um, and then I uh, coached the game. I completed my coaching qualifications as a, as a pro golfer and coached the game. And then about uh, after completing a degree and a master's degree in sports psychology i i stepped into the world of sports psychology and last 17 years i've been blessed to to work um at uh well across a number of sports i've been lead psychologist for england golf lead psychologist for england rugby um i would say i specialize really in 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 the psychology of football um and i've worked uh, uh across look across across the globe across a number of teams and clubs from premier league through to non-league i work with a lot of individuals work with a lot of coaches i've got uh, four books uh, three of them which are football related soccer brain soccer soccer tough soccer tough too um and i think that probably brings us up to date so so yeah that's in a nutshell who i am now that's a great 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 brief for insight and intro i'm sure that you probably find a challenge because the intro is probably growing all the time um go for it go on <laughs> um but no uh, you know because I'm, I'm really excited to have you back here had you on the show before had some fascinating conversations and had some really really positive feedback from all the people that have tuned into the episodes that we have done together um but what where, where i really want to start today is is, is, a, is around a post that you put up a few days back and it really resonated with me um it really made me think about more specifically how much it is likened to what i do and what i think about within my coaching um and the post was about the power three you know you talk there about the what the how the why um i don't want to not give it the justice it deserves so maybe you can maybe talk to us a little bit about what you meant by that 
if you sure. I'm trying to I, I try to remember which post it was because I post every yeah. day on LinkedIn. What, what, yeah. what, 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 how, why? Yeah, go, go, well, you, you introduce it and then I'll, I'll comment. Yeah, so I mean, the, the I guess the underlying concept was about the what, how and the why. Are, are we as coaches, um, whether we're working with athletes or whether we're working with other coaches, are we considering enough about the what, the how and the why? Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that really stood out for me was it was not just asking the questions, but how specifically the questions are asked. And it's one of the biggest things that I talk about a lot within um, my own coaching, and especially when I'm supporting other coaches and around, around their development as well, just to start to consider. Don't just ask the question for the sake of asking a question. Have a real intention behind what, what you want to get from that question. Um, and that, what, you know, if you, if you start with what you want to find out and what you want to know, then that will better articulate the question itself, if that makes sense. Look, I, I think what, how, why? It, I suppose it's it's my quick fire version um, of critical thinking, essentially, which I think is important for both coaches and and players. So we can look at this through the lens of coaching and and playing. Um, I I there are there are um, processes that are more empirically driven than than this. But I think from a basic standpoint, especially for coaches who have little time, perhaps uh, grassroots coaches who, you know, you, you have your couple of hours a week and that's it. And, and most of the time um, you're either not coaching or you, you just got busy lives. Uh, and I think you can essentially top and tail um, your weekly uh, and or daily um, sessions with the questions, what, how, why? What, what am I trying to do in this session? And what am I trying to do in this activity or these selection of activities, these group of activities? How do I want to do it? Why do I want to do it in this way? And then actually you can follow those three questions up with uh, three similar questions of what, how, why. What other ways could I do this? How uh, could I implement um, these other ways and why might I use these other ways uh, as opposed to perhaps the either the traditional way that I usually do it um, or the way that naturally uh, uh, sort of uh, shouts out at me in terms of how I should do it what how why um, so uh, you know I think that you could be asking yourself that when you're sitting down to write your coaching activities your coaching sessions and then post training so top and tail so after training it was what was I trying to achieve how was I trying to achieve it why was I doing it in this way so you're kind of asking yourself the same questions but from a different angle you know a post session post activities angle and and then uh, what other ways did I consider how did I think I could bring those in and uh, why might I have uh, have brought those in given what I've just experienced um, and and look, you don't have to ask yourself what how why two times over you could just do it once but when you when you engage in a simple sort of um, self-communication self-skilled process like that um, you're engaging in you're not, you, I suppose when you're doing it after a training session, you're engaging in self-reflection. Um, and it's just so, so important for coaches to critically appraise, you know, what they want to do, how they want to do it, why they want to do it in that way. And then after training, what was that all about? How did that go? You know, was that successful? And, and as you're kind of alluding to, it's not just, oh, well, let's just ask myself these questions. It's really thinking about it. It's engaging, and I'll give you a funky psychological term here, metacognition. Metacognition essentially is thinking about your thinking, thinking about, <laughs> about your behaviors, thinking about um, your, um, your, your functioning, essentially, um, and everything that's going on around you, uh, in our case, during a, a coaching practice, during coaching activities. And metacognition is so important if we want to, let's use that old adage of um, 10 years of coaching doesn't necessarily add up to 10 years of experience. It might be 10 times one year of uh, experience. So you're doing the same things year in, year out. 
well, clearly we want to have 10 years of accumulated experience so we can become a, a coach of 10 years experience after 10 years. Well, when we're asking ourselves what, how, why, every single day, every single week, every single month, every single season, um, then uh, I think we give ourselves a better chance to utilize our experience and shape better a better coaching practice over time. So that's really, really what I was posing. Um, and it goes for us all. I mean, sometimes, you know, as a sports psychologist, yeah, I, I, I'm trained to do that myself with my my sports psychology practice. And, you know, sometimes you get a little bit lazy or, 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 or you you don't perhaps engage as in deeply as you, as you could or you don't argue with yourself, perhaps, because you're so used to the way that you do it and you don't open your mind necessarily to other ways of doing it. And I think it's it's important to try to keep that that mental bucket open if you like, not gushing through with different ideas, because ultimately you do have to have a vague sense of um, how I go about this and a vague sense of what your coaching practice looks like and a sense of what your coaching process, how your players experience your coaching uh, uh, process. Uh, you want consistency of behavior, but you do need to be able to analyze and consider, okay, what was I doing? Can I incorporate different ways into doing this? So there's my long rambled answer to you, Yaz. <laughs> no, and I, th I think um, first of all, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I guess recap what you've said and, and clarify my understanding of it, just so that maybe the listeners that maybe didn't catch on to anything could obviously uh, <laughs> they caught on to something. I was I'm not doing my job very well. So, I mean, <laughs> the first piece to kind of really highlight there, Dan, is. Um, well, there's a, there's a few different points that you know, you've kind of brought up in there. First thing I really want to kind of highlight is that that word metacognition. Now, um, part of the reason why I put this pod to, podcast together, um, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, is that there's a lot. There is a lot of terms out there. There is a lot of academia, um, scientific terms that maybe uh, your everyday coach, your everyday person doesn't quite understand or, or, or can relate to. So I think it's really important that you know, through mediums such as this, that we kind of really debunk you know, any grey areas around what these things mean and maybe simplify some of these terms. And, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's literally, as it says on the tin, thinking about thinking. Um, but, you know, you, a, key, a key thing that kind of obviously you touched on in there is obviously around the functioning piece. But I think I think the way I would look at it is, are you thinking about the process? Why, you know, why is that the process you're, you're, you're on? Or, uh, and is it, is it the age old thing of, you know, this is the way I've done it. So I'm always, you know, this is the way I've always done it. So I'm just going to keep doing it this way, yep. um, which obviously then kind of links into your 10 years of one, ex, uh, 10 times one year rather than 10 times 10 yep. um, or one times 10 rather, however you wish to look at that. So that, you know, that's, that's the first piece. I think it's really important that, you know, coaches or anyone listening to this does start to really consider that part of it in terms of how much are you thinking about your thinking um in terms of the question piece now you know you've talked there about the what the why, how and the why and you know many a time and i'm sure you've probably come across similar similar situations where you've had individuals that would argue that they're using q a um but actually it's q a just for the purpose of using q a rather than to delve deeper and clarify understanding for both either themselves or the athletes they're working with or the participants in any case yep. so one of the things i actually you know, encourage a lot of coaches to do is work towards a session in a way where at the end of it, the only Q&A you're taking is taking places with yourself and not with the athletes. Um, and what I really kind of mean by that is if you're finding yourself having to have a Q&A at the end of the session, um, the chances are you probably not observed well enough or have not clarified understanding well enough throughout the practice itself or the session itself to the point where you're actually having to further delve deeper into whether they've actually understood it or quote unquote the age-old answer what did we learn today now if you're having to ask that question for me you haven't done enough in the practice in terms of your interaction with the athletes um you may have a different opinion to that that's just what my experiences kind of uh tell me i don't know if you want to kind of start on that i've got a couple other points but there's a lot in there already i don't think it's it's either or i think it's and also by that I mean, I think I think you're right, and I think you're 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 not incorrect to point point that one out. And I and I actually think if if you place that demand on yourself as a coach, it can really sharpen your capacity to ask important and impactful and powerful questions, um, and make your coaching points um, pertinent during your training session. The tougher that you are on yourself um the um as i say that the, the 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 
uh, I'll come back to this word sharper, the sharper you can become with, with your questions. I suppose there's a slight caveat there for me in terms of um, what we know about learning is that if we want the main learning points, whether they're your coaching points as a coach or whether they are learning points that emerge as a consequence of the, the session, what we know about learning is, is we want players to um, shift, to encode those, to process them into long-term memory. And uh, an important process uh, to engage with in order to help players to shift your coaching points or what they pick up themselves during the session is to engage players in retrieval practice. Um, so with that in mind, you might choose at the very end of the training session to test for understanding um, um, and when you do that, so you ask a question, what we let, let's let's for, for argument's sake ask the vague the, the, the vague question, what did what were the main things that you've learned today? When you do that, you're asking players to retrieve from their long-term memory uh, the things that they learnt during that training session. That retrieval process means that they rehearse in their mind the things that they learned and that process of rehearsal um, further uh, helps them to remember what they learned. So we withdraw it from our long-term memory. We reflect back to our coach what we've learned. And by doing that, we're rehearsing it. And we're so we're cementing it more into long-term memory. And then as a coach, you can ask players to elaborate on it. Tell me more about that. When you did that, what did you experience? Um, you say you've learned that scanning uh, to your left is important for you as a centre-back because you realise you were just scanning on the right-hand side. That's a vague, you're not a football coach, so that's a vague thing, right? Uh, well, tell me more about that. What did you see when you scanned left? How did that feel? What did, how did the other players, how did, your, how did your left full-back respond to you when you did that? What information did you take in when you did that? Um when you're doing that, that, that's a process of elaboration. And when, when players are elaborating again, they're retrieving more, they're, 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 they are having a richer form of encoding. And so again, you're cementing things into long-term memory. Um, so, uh, and, and you're, you're, you're building deeper and more durable long-term memory, uh, more complex and more nuanced, what we call schemas, which are just representational information in our brain about the game or about the footballing environment. And so I would say I love what you're doing when you ask that of coaches. And I think that that's really important because you want to sharpen their questioning ability, because I think too many coaches may just go through the process. Of, oh, well, I'm asking a question, but they're not really thinking about the kind of questions that they're asking. But the only caveat maybe from cognitive science to what you said is that at the end of a session is a good opportunity to test for understanding, engage players in retrieval practice, help them to elaborate. And so they encode that information better. And so it's cemented in long-term memory. And then again, what we know from the cognitive science, especially from teaching practice is that if you then retest later, so you might email them, or you might have a WhatsApp group where you ask them to come back, come back and again, recall, retrieve, recall, rehearse, remember um, what they learned. And then again, test them in the next training session. So <clears throat> that would be the only caveat there, I would say. No, no I, think, I think you're spot on. I think just to kind of um, just clarify there, I think mm. the key piece is around, like you said, getting coaches to show up in their questioning skills so that mm. they can develop a better understanding of not only where their target and their focus around, but more specifically yes. what the players are, what athletes are perceiving or retaining in this case. And yeah. I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, that, that feedback piece at the end, it's not, it's not that I'm saying don't do that, but I'm saying that that should be a supplementary aspect of it rather okay. than 
a primary Absolutely. primary aspect of it. So that's you know, and I, I, th I think there's really key, really key piece. You know, if I kind of go back a few moments and use the word a couple of times, is that word considerations, um, not just from a coaching perspective, but from an athlete's perception perspective, and looking at right, okay, if they are, if we are trying to delve deeper into the understanding and the perception of the athlete, what are their considerations? So when they are when they are making a, you know a certain decision or or a particular action what are the considerations that they believe uh, will have an impact on their ability to perform, whether that be an action or, or, or a particular outcome in, in any other way. So I guess that, that, I think that piece is really key, you know, and I guess the message for me in, 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 from that side of things is coaches, if you're going to ask a question, first ask yourself, what is it that you want to find out? And there might not be a, a definitive answer to that, but what more specifically, what is it that you want to explore with the athletes? Around yeah, and I, I, sorry, um, yes, and that, because I, I just jumping on that, I, I I don't know if you quite want me to take this in this direction, but I was almost thinking about you know when you use that term consideration, considering th the brain wiring of your players. Again, I'm going to use this term schema. We use this in cognitive science. Um, if you think that every single one of your players has a long term memory. And within that long-term memory, a bunch of what we call schemas, schematics. So information about the game, information about motor behaviors, so skills, information um, uh, 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 about the uh, uh, perceptual side of things, um, so the game intelligence side of things. And, and so what you can guarantee Again, I would, I would urge coaches to picture their players in front of them right now. Every single player has a long-term memory. We know that, right? They have schemas within that long-term memory. What's in their head is what they know about the game. So in many respects, when you were talking about considerations there, it's, it's important I would put to coaches that it's important to consider the histories of your players. Players don't come to you with a blank slate. Who's coached them before? What instructions might they have had from that coach? What environment did they come from? You know, did they come from a lot of street football or cage football or, you know, whereby they'll be doing some things really, really well, but some certain things ingrained habits might not be serving them very well in this 11 v 11 game right on this wide space um um, um I, I, what beliefs do they come uh with them I, I, and that goes to the very top in terms of i remember when i was doing some work at afc bournemouth with the under 23s and there was a player who um um that the coaches really really liked um but when you actually dug down, and this sounds like such a simplistic thing, but it, it, this happens. When you dug down on this player, and this was a player that these coaches had hallmarked for the potential to get into the first team, um, he was absolutely obsessed by Neymar, loved Neymar, and every, every ounce of his being, you know, watched him every day, talked to his mum about Neymar, dreamed of becoming the next Neymar, with respect to him, probably didn't quite have the same ability, but you think that's okay, that's cool, that's healthy, and so on and so forth. But the coaches were trying to coach specific things into his game. And yet at the same time, he would go home and watch Neymar a lot and think about, it. and those two things didn't meet because the coaches want him to, wanted him to do certain things that would be, I suppose, considered as un-Neymar-like. And so you have a clash, a bit of a clash here. He has sort of complex and nuanced schema in his LTM, his long-term memory related to what Neymar does. And he had a lot of emotion, um, you know, simmering across his body with, related, with relation to that. I want to be this. I want to do that. The only way I'm going to get to where I want to go is to be able to have these kind of skills. And yet the coaches, very good, very experienced coaches were saying, no, we need you to do this. And there was a bit of a conflict there. And so one of the things I said to the coaches was, I said, look, I know you might think I'm some crazy site coming here going, well, he just wants to be Neymar. But there was very much uh, an ideological clash here. And so I wanted his coaches 
to consider this and adjust their communication in accordance with that, even utilizing Neymar as somebody, as a model at the appropriate times, but also helping this player understand where Neymar actually was unhelpful from a modeling yeah. perspective. So yeah, they come with history. Yeah, no, I think there's some, some great bits. And I think first and foremost, is spot on in terms of the direction I wanted to go in with the, with the consideration piece is really getting to understand what does the athlete or the participant know before you start trying to add to that? Mm. What is their perception of this? And you're quite right. You said, you know, through the history of maybe their experiences of how, where they've played, are they cage footballers? Are they this footballer? Have they played in this environment or that environment? What has their coaching been like? And it's not so much to... Um, I wouldn't necessarily, it's necessarily a case of testing their knowledge, but more specifically identifying what their knowledge is. And whether that be that they might have a very good knowledge base, but the maybe the terminology which, they, which they're uh, familiar with might be very different to what I or whoever else might be using as a coach. So it's really important to understand what they, what they understand and define as different terms and different expectations within that. And I think one, one really key thing, you know, you talked about that player there, and you know, using Neymar as a, as, a, as a role model for himself, if you like. Um, the one word that really jumps out to me throughout that little segment was why. Why coaches want player the player to do A, player wants to do B, but the player doesn't necessarily have a why. Why would Neymar do this? Why you know why wouldn't Neymar do this? Or if the coaches, I guess in your in your case, you know, you may be looking at it from a perspective of challenging the coaches to utilize that information and help the player understand better why not just the what of what they're of, of what they're expecting for the player to do it's easy me going to the player say right i want you to do this but i know myself as an individual if you tell me to do something you don't quite help me understand the why i ain't going to do it i'm just not going to have that same level of commitment and i and i don't know whether that's the same kind of thing that you're kind of alluding to there in some respects um but certainly for me the, the Again, I encourage coaches, help your players understand the why. Now, you know, it's a, it's a bit of work I've been doing recently in, in terms of some CPD stuff with different coaching, talking about, yes, we can increase performance by just telling them the what and telling them what we want to see, and it, we will see an increase, increase in performance. But in terms of that long-term retention of learning and cog, you know, cognitive thought around what they're actually doing, we need to help them understand the why. And sometimes I believe through skillful and articulate questioning, through use of demonstration and different methods of them being able to express how or what their understanding is, I believe a lot of athletes already have the answers. We just need to be able to pull it out of them in a way that they understand it. So if I'm talking English, if the, if the athlete's talking English, speak English to them. If the athlete's talking Japanese, speak Japanese to them got to find out what language they communicate in and then and hit that nail on the head if that makes sense so you've got my, my mind buzzing here yes and 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 i think there's three i'm going to say three directions but there possibly could be more here in terms of so you know we're, we're talking about behavior development we're talking about skill acquisition you know that's what coaching is all about it's it's helping players progress it's helping helping players to learn right and you're talking about the importance of why um you know perhaps we've taken the what how why slightly away from sort of um a as a coach critiquing your own practice and more on to helping players develop themselves which is fine which is great we can do that and and you know if we were going to use what how why with players in terms of we're, we're, we're trying to coach them we're trying to convince them um and influence them um what what how why what do i want them to do how do i want them to do it why do i want them to do it in that way what you're saying to me is that perhaps as coaches sometimes we don't convince through the why you know and, we, and we've got to help players in order to change behavior in order to help players acquire skill uh, we can't just tell them what to do and, and and we can't even then just tell them how to do it how to do it is a step up brilliant not just what to do, but how to do it. Um, but also we might want to convince by telling them why, you know, this is important because this, this, and this. Now, um, 
and, and, and I love that. And I think that that's important. I think that that's, that's great. Um, I think if we were to strip things back, I think that um, as you started to talk there, I was thinking of the importance, you know, we were talking about consideration. Uh, we're trying to be, let's say, player centered here. We're trying to think about the player, the history that they have, the consideration of where they've been. And I talk a lot, whether it's on my podcast, whether it's, um, it, you know, on social media, in my articles, on other podcasts about pies, pies being uh, P-I-E, being psychologically informed environments. I, I would urge coaches to engage in a pie, um, you know, from grassroots through to professional, a psychologically informed environment. What is that? A psychologically informed environment is one that takes into account the thoughts, the feelings, the experiences and the personalities of the participants within your coaching practice. Right. So thoughts, feelings, experiences and personalities. Um, that's what a pie is. So whenever you're delivering as a coach, you're always considering those things of of your players. And I think important within a pie is to develop the language skills, the linguistic skills that help you to change behavior. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the importance of building um, those language skills in accordance to say some psychological frameworks. So for example, motivational interviewing. If, if coaches, after they've listened to this, go online and put in motivational interviewing into Google, they can see the great work over the last 40 years by Professor Stephen Rolnick, uh, Professor William Miller, who have established this amazing framework that coaches can utilize, not just psychologists. And it promotes a collaborative approach to change. So it promotes the language skills, the communication skills of empathy, um, of, op of reflect reflection, and of asking open questions. <coughs> And I say that because quite often as a coach, you come up. So let's go back to our, our young player who wanted to be Neymar. The reality is, is you're going to have a young player who's very entrenched in wanting to be Neymar. It's very difficult. These are very sticky beliefs quite often. I want to be Neymar. I want to be like Messi. I'm a striker. My coaches want me to play as a midfielder, but I want to be a striker because for years I've wanted to score goals. And that's all I've dreamed about. And this player's replayed in their mind, scoring goals, scoring goals, scoring goals, scoring goals. But his coaches or her coaches feel that they'd be better off being back in midfield uh, because as experts of the game, that's what they feel. It's hard and it's hard to change beliefs and behaviors. And so empathizing with a player's position can be quite important. I understand that you want to be, um, you, you, know, you want to be um, Neymar, don't you? Leave it open, empathize. Yes, I want to be Neymar. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about being Neymar. Tell me more about the importance of that. There's an open question. There's an open question. Uh, well, I want to be Neymar because I've been looking up to him for the last 10 years. He's so skillful. Everybody loves him. I've been working my skills night and day to be that skillful. You've been working really hard to get as close as you can to Neymar. You've been dreaming every day about getting as close to Neymar. I'm empathizing. I'm reflecting back what I'm hearing. I'm not saying that's ridiculous. Stop thinking about that. You need to do this, this, and this. This is really important to you. You, every day, you've been, you've been studying him. You've been working tirelessly on these skills. That's what I'm hearing you say. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba -ba. How has that helped you get 
to the Bournemouth under 23s? Open question. I'm curious. I want to know more. Um, well, that's helped me get here because I've been working hard and I've got these skills. Okay. And, and, and so on and so forth. Now, there's a time where you can start to say, you could start to ask questions about where do you think Neymar could improve himself? What if Neymar came into this team? How might he play in this team? Or you might say, as a coach, I love what you're doing. And I want you to continue to work on your skills like Neymar. Can we also work on these skills over here that are important for you as a player? Now, these skills are important for us in our team and for you to develop because of, and then you're offering the why. So in many respects, you're adding on some empathy, being curious about this player by asking open questions. And when you're doing that, you're helping them see that you're on their side and it affords you the opportunity to say, I love what you're doing there. And these are the things that you're doing that are helping you and have helped you to get to this position. Now, if we can also add on this, this and this in terms of what we're working on, then that will actually broaden your skill set so you can be even more like Neymar, Neymar as an example. Now, that's, you know, that, that, that's just an example. But PIES, psychologically informed environments, is an important thing to Google. Motivational interviewing with really simple techniques, communication techniques around empathy and asking open questions, reflecting back what you hear in order to continue to help that player engage that player, help them understand that you're listening to them, that you're on their side and that you've got their best interests at heart. And that affords you the opportunity to start uh, really drilling down on the why for what you want to teach them as well. Uh, and, and I think that's fascinating. There's a, lot, there's a lot in there, Dan. I think first and foremost, what, what really jumps out at me while you're speaking there is, it, it, I guess it kind of tells into what I was talking about when I was talking about the skillful and articulate Q&A and actually developing and checking in that understanding mm -hmm. throughout the practice, throughout the session, rather than having to wait to the end to do that. And I think uh, another word that kind of really rings true to me as, you, as you're speaking there and, and going through that process and any coach looking to adopt that, that type of process is about being vulnerable. Um, you've got to be vulnerable to the point where you're asking a question and you have to accept that you're going to have no idea where this may go. And I think that's where a lot of coaches struggle and, and have and find challenge with um, the idea of Q&A sometimes. It's they don't know which direction it's going to go in. And if it goes in the direction that they haven't considered, again, that word again, consideration, um, then it could leave them in a very vulnerable spot themselves in, in, in not knowing, right, okay, where do I take this conversation next? Because I wasn't expecting it to go here. And I think that for me is actually, is, is actually the sweet spot sometimes getting into that spot of vulnerability where you actually have no idea where this, where the athlete or the participant is going to take you on this, on this journey of this conversation that now your mind is blown because right. They've teaching you something. They're exposing you to something different. And now you having to, again, coming back to that word that you mentioned earlier again, well, co collaboration, you're collaboratively working through that process together, working through exploring that journey and those considerations and those perceptions together. Um, and, you know, layering, your elements of what you want to in introduce to them on top of what they already know and why. But more importantly, I think the real key thing that really jumps out for me there is it's understanding their perception of it. Mm. Why are they wanting to do what they're doing? This, this young man, you know, wanted to be like Neymar. Actually, that might just be the way in which he describes what it is he really means. Mm -hmm. And through the conversation, through being vulnerable, through having the empathy, through laying, relaying back your understanding of what's been said, you can help unpack. Actually, it's got nothing to do with Neymar. It's just got, it's, it, it might just be purely the fact that Neymar's playing at the highest level possible. And that's what really matters to this, this young, this young man or this young woman. Um, and it's, it's actually, again, Neymar just happens to be the scapegoat in the story, if you like. Um I, I think, can I, I love everything yeah. that you're saying, as I, and, and again, my, my mind is bubbling away, and I, a couple of things to say. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, it's why so often questions that coaches ask players can tend to be what we call, I'm going to give you a funky term here, 
convergent questions rather than divergent questions. Convergent divergent questions are questions that you essentially haven't a ready-made answer for. And let, let's be clear here, when we're, you know, when, when we're coaching on the run, a game is happening, you know, quite often those might be the questions that we only have time for. You can still ask divergent questions when you're coaching on the run, but you just don't have time to hear the answer. You pose a question, then you allow play to unfold. You're just posing that question to play, and maybe they're going to answer it through their actions. You know, and, that, and that's important to say as well here. I mean, uh, so, 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 so I wanted to get that out there. The other thing to say is I love what you said about vulnerability and that it can be, uh, uh, it can be scary for coaches to go down this path of not necessarily having an answer and just striving to get the answer from the person in front of you. And again, I'm guessing this conversation is going to be one that you're having with someone when you've got a bit more time, probably. Um, but um, it is scary, but you can practice these techniques. You can practice empathy. You can practice asking open questions. They're not easy to, to engage with. And, and, I, and I think a, a prime example, I mean, I'm going to try and be as ethical as I can here as a sports psychologist. But if you take something like the, let's take some of the documentaries that are now on Netflix. And again, from an ethical perspective, we're only getting a small snapshot of, 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 of the kind of conversations that happen. But there's a lot of top-down messaging and insistence, which tends to be rife at the very adult elite level. But you do sometimes wonder if you take the interaction between Jose Mourinho and Jose Mourinho has won these five year pink nobody's denying his greatness or not not doing that but between Jose Mourinho and and um uh Deli Alley um and you you kind of just did wonder again it's only a small snapshot I appreciate that but let's just analyze the small snapshot it was very much a coach telling a player well this is what I'm seeing and this is what you must do and kind of giving a, a bit of a, an anecdote around life is short and, you know, you've got to suck the juice out of the marrow of life and all this metaphorical jazz. And that's great. And that's fine. And that's fantastic. And that might resonate with some players. But I, you do sometimes wonder if in that moment, you know, there's an opportunity to sit down and say, just tell me about this. What's your experience of the coaching practices that you've been exposed to. What's your experience of your game right now? Let's watch this game and you talk to me about what's happening out there. I'm not going to say a word. I just, I'm just curious. Now, I'm not saying Mourinho didn't do that with Ali. He probably did. He probably did. But in the segment I saw, you're, you're probably not changing behavior in that moment. And it required a little bit more, uh, 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 perhaps an appreciation of how that person's brain is wired, what kind of chemicals are flowing through his body that are entrenching him in a certain way of doing and being. I, I'd, I'd like a bit more curiosity. Of course, difficult to do at grassroots because you don't have much time, but at that level, plenty of time to, 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 to uh, enter the world of, let's say, somebody like Deli Ali. Uh, I think really 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 uh, good observation and I think what one thing I would add to that and again the word that jumps out to me as as, as you're speaking and, and reflecting on that situation is validation um you know I think giving whether that be an athlete that you're working with whether that be a coach that you're working with in a coach development aspect it's that validation that actually you know I can see what you're doing here's my observations of it this is what I observed from what you're what, what you're currently uh, doing um I can see why you're doing it, or if if not, then I'll maybe explore that further as to you know the, the rationale behind it. However, it's not dismissing what's happening um, in in a negative fashion. It's not dismissing to say and, and discrediting it, but in fact, sometimes it's, again it comes back to the piece you talked about earlier about uh, convincing to a point where it's like, okay, I can see what you're doing. I understand it. Um, here's here's a suggestion as to how we might further develop it or even become more impactful but, um, through it. So I think that that piece is really key for me. It, it, see, one of the things I've got a bit of resistance to in what you've just said, though, is the idea that 
we don't have enough time. Now, I think that's just a perception. Uh, I'm not saying, obviously, that you're you're arguing that that's not the case. Um, but just in terms of what, the way maybe people have perceived what you've said could be very different yep. uh, in that I would strongly encourage grassroots coaches to ask themselves one simple thing, understanding the time constraints you do have to those in comparison to those maybe working in elite environments, what's more important, immediate performance, long-term retention or learning. And if it is long-term retention or learning, and you have to accept that time is just, it's just, a, it's just, it's just a way to pass. It is literally that it's passing time. It's not, it's not how much time you have It's how well you use it. And I think within that, the argument often then comes, well, I haven't got time for Q and A. Well, actually, you have if you want to make it a priority. It's just how it's how dedicated, how skillful and articulate are you going to be with your questions um, in line with the outcomes you're trying to achieve, which brings me on to another point, which you talked about earlier, really. Um, and it's, you had these Bournemouth coaches telling this athlete, we want you to do this, we want you to do that, we want you to do this. And, you know, on the other side of the players thinking, well, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. And the question I really kind of encourage coaches to think about off the back of that is just remember whose choice is it about the direction of this journey. If we're trying to force a player into a particular direction, the reality is they might fall off the track at some point. However, if we lead them to the path, in my opinion, by helping them understand why maybe this should be a shift in their direction um, or more specifically, why their existing direction might not be the most beneficial one for them, then that's the first step for me anyway. Because, you know, I think remembering the role of the coach and, and certainly through my years of experience, this is how I've, I've come to define it now, Dan, and it'll be good to get your views on it, is the role of the coach is to simply take the participant from point A to point B, but point B being, being the outcome that the participant specifically wants to work towards. So we're an anchor of support on the journey rather than the directors or the, or the, or, or the, yeah, the conductors of the journey, if you like. Uh, okay. Brilliant. Uh, three, th three things to say, and I'll, I'll address your final one at the end. Uh, first thing to say, and I, I, again, ethical sports site, the Bournemouth coaches are great. They were awesome. And, and, um, uh, I just want to say that because I don't want people going, the Bournemouth coaches didn't know what they were. They absolutely did. And the very fact that they they were open to communicating with me and asking my opinion speaks volumes uh, at that time about those, those, those people. So that, that's important to say. And, and they did go down the pathway of uh, a, a hybrid of what they were doing and, and, and what I suggested as well. So that's important to say. Um, I love what you said about, I love, you know, your challenge to me about grassroots having the time. Um, you know what? You, you're probably right in as much as it's very subjective, isn't it? Um, what is time? How much time have you got? It depends on what you're trying to uh, accomplish in many respects. It's what's your context? What are the outcomes that you are looking for? What are your coaching um, uh, uh I was going to say, what are your coaching beliefs? But let's put that aside. I think, I think, what's your context, and uh, what are you trying to accomplish? And and maybe, as you're kind of alluding to, what are your players trying to? What are your people trying to accomplish? Um, I think that there is a tension to come back at you slightly with that. The only thing I would say there from a grassroots perspective is that there can be a, a tension between because you've kind of gone into a. I talk about three P's of coaching, participation, progression, performance. I think we've spoken about this on your podcast before. My argument is actually when you strip everything back in the world of coaching from under sixes through to adult uh, adult football, adult elite, ad, adult particip participative football, Every coach is engaged in these three P's, apart from obviously the very young levels, which aren't really engaged or shouldn't be that much engaged in, in, in performance. But you've gone, you, you've said that, well, these grassroots coaches need to consider learning above performance. And I think you're right most of the time. I suppose I'm going to bolt on that other P of participation and say some grassroots, grassroots coaches would say, well, if I'm 
uh, asking a lot of questions, whether that's stopping and starting a session or even just interjecting as play unfolds, asking questions, am I, am I influencing in a negative way the participation piece, the engagement piece, the experience of grassroots players? It is participative. Um, so there's, there, there's that to consider as well. Um, but I love what you said about actually really exploring as a grassroots coach. Well, am I just kind of saying I don't have time or am I really thinking, actually, can I shoehorn in some time? And is this time more important because I want to help players learn uh, and, and get away from the, the perform obsession about the performance piece? I think, I think, your point is well made. Yeah, I think just, just to pause for two seconds on that, I think it's a really, really important because I've had many experiences, even one recently, about a week ago, when I when I, I literally said to a coach, you know, one of the observations I've made about you, you ask a lot of questions, but you also then answer the players, answer the question for the players as well. Mm -hmm. um, and his direct response verbatim was, well, that take, it's, it's going to take too long otherwise. Why mm -hmm. bother? Mm -hmm. Why bother doing it if you're not going to give them time to actually show you what they understand yeah. uh, you might as well not even ask the question and then fill in the answer for them so i guess it's just to kind of add on to that what i would say is that coaches you know i, I think make some very valid points around the participation aspect um but again another consideration the coaches to make is if you are about to ask a question if you are about to intervene in any way shape or form it's just asking yourself what's the purpose of this intervention why am I about to step in? What am I hoping to get out of this process? And if you don't have the answer to that question, I, I would just say, don't even get involved. Mm -hmm. um, you need to have some clarity. And it doesn't necessarily mean you don't know which direction it's going to go in. That's fine sometimes. But if you don't even know why you're doing it in the first place, probably best leaving it alone. Um, and in terms of the, the focus of, of a grassroots practice and session, if you like, I would just say, you could, you could, really, you could really simplify things um, in that you could just have one clear thing that you want to get out from today's session. You don't need to overcook it. You don't need to say, I'm going to try and hit 10,000 different outcomes in one. Um, A, because of the, the participants you've got in your session might not be able to deal with that. B, it, you know, if we're being, if we're being truly honest, not every coach, not, not a lot of coaches necessarily have the capabilities to nail down on all these outcomes. Then it comes a, then it then comes a case of, you know, is it breadth versus depth or is it, we just really delving deeper into one particular area. Um, again, there's no right or wrong. But I think it's just some considerations for coaches to make. Um, just want to throw that in there before you continue, Dan. Sorry. I, look, I, I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer necessarily. I always say the only wrong answer in coaching is bullying, racism, sexism, elitism. If, if I add elitism into that, 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 that's the only wrong answer. Everything else, I think, is, well, what, how, why? What do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Why are you doing it in that way? If you're going to insist that you're you're the prominent voice here and you're you want to have a top-down coaching uh, practice, you know, okay, no, no, no problem at all. What, how, why? Um, as long as you're again considering the experiences of your players, that might be how you want to go about doing it. Uh, apart from bullying. Uh, and those isms, I don't think there's 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 any necessarily wrong answers. Probably somebody thinks of something else that's maladaptive, but that that would be my answer to that. And I think that comes back to your last point: is the way you're envisioning coaching is to take a participant from point A to point B, but point A to point B is you know their journey where they want to go. And fantastic. I, I wonder if it's a dance. I, I wonder if, you know, again, I suppose context matters. Um, and, and who are you coaching? Um, and, and what are you coaching in servitude towards? You know, if you're a coach of Chelsea Academy, if you're the under-14s coach at Chelsea Academy, I, I'm not too sure you can work solely in servitude to where the player wants to go from point from from their A to their B. Um, I'm, I might be doing Neil Bath a, a disservice there and, and looking at it wrong from, from his perspective, if he's still head of academy, which I think he is. But I, 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 I think it's a dance in terms of if you are 
in an organization, if you're coaching in an organization that has a curriculum, there's nothing wrong with having a curriculum. But if you have some freedom within that curriculum to be autonomy supportive, I think that's a very robust curriculum and coaching process across the academy or organization. If there's no freedom whatsoever, then you have to make a decision about whether you want to coach there. Um, if you've got your own coaching practice um, and you say, hey, look, I want to take them from A to B, they're in charge, like uh, Salisbury Rovers do and do very well. You know, Debbie at Salisbury Rovers, it's her academy. It's her decision to do that. And she's awesome at doing it. And she gives young players, they're oversubscribed. She gives them amazing experiences. I've got every all the time in the world uh, for what she's doing. That wouldn't necessarily suit every single uh, 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 coaching culture, coaching practice, coaching academy. So I, I think it's, I'd like to see a dance. I think coaches do have to use their expertise. I do think you have to work from a template, a curriculum that either you've created or that you are part of. I, I think having some kind of spiraled curriculum is important. I think having some direction, some borders, some boundaries is important because I think human beings require that to a large degree by and large. Um, however, allowing freedom of expression, creativity for yourself as a coach and for the players themselves and having their voice. I think you can do that dance. It just requires a lot of coaching skills to actually put that into practice. Yeah, 100%. And I think you're spot on. And again, the word that really jumps out to me as you're speaking is framework and not model. Um, I think we, we, too many coaches that I've seen, too many environments I've seen have a quote-unquote model way of working. Um, which, you know, again, there's no right or wrong, but I just, I do, I do believe that it's probably not the best and most impactful way in terms of fostering creativity, both in coaches and athletes. So I think a framework is definitely the way to go um, where there's a balance of maybe structured elements to it, but also a space within that to have a creative, creative, creative freedom, if you like. Um, again, you know, we, we've covered a lot so far, but one one point in particular that I wanted to delve deeper into, which you know, it's probably been about 30, 40 minutes before you touched on it, to be honest, is the whole idea about arguing with yourself in terms of reflection. Um, you mentioned this, you mentioned this term, you said argue with yourself. Um, and I think it's a great way to kind of just encapsulate what I, what I believe my understanding is of it anyway, is for coaches to really just challenge themselves. Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, Quite simply, if you can't answer that question, then you really need to start arguing even more with yourself um, and be maybe be upset with yourself to an extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, look, absolutely. And, and, and I don't think, um, you know, uh, responding to what you said there, I, I don't necessarily think that, you, you know, we, we, we coach in shades of grey, I would say. I, I don't think, by and large, for most people, there will be people out there who say, no, it's this, it's black and white. And again, that's completely up to them, as long as they're not engaging in maladaptive behavior and putting people, children in harm's way. That's important. Um, but <laughs> if they want to think black and white, that's absolutely up, fine and up to them. And uh, part of their coaching practice may benefit from their certainty you know but definitely there will be players that they lose as a consequence of their certainty and their black and white coaching practice um but i, I do think the best coaches uh, are the ones who sit down and, and really think uh, about what they're doing and and consider alternatives and and even a paper and pen exercise of the, you know, that, that old adage of the pros and cons you know and if the pros add up more than the cons then that's how, maybe how you make the decision um I, I i do think that it's useful in in that context i think it's useful to walk out onto the grass with certainty um, in the context of can we accommodate some chaos out there? Can we accommodate questions as we're talking about, you know, uh, and, and allowing players to make their own decisions at times? Can we shift during a training session in terms of, okay, I feel I'm being a little bit too top down here. I, what I'm going to do in this next activity, I hadn't planned it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to get players in a huddle collaborating and they're going to come up with their solutions. You know, you've got to work on the fly sometimes. Um, 
Uh, and that's just the nature of, of the beast. And that's just good coaching. As, as challenges emerge, we've got to be able to come up with solutions on the fly. And that might be a bit of a shift there from what you had planned. Um, but um, but uh, I, 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 I think that having a sense of what you're going to do is important. Being able to flex on the fly is important as well. Um, but then coming out of that and saying, okay, is what I'm doing here optimal for me in this coaching practice? Do I want to stick with this? Yes, I do. Or, you know what, I'm going to experiment a bit next time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm going to do it a little bit more autonomy supportive, or I'm going to go a, 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 a about teaching this system next time, uh, rather than the system I've always taught, or, um, I'm, I, I'm going to start with a game next time rather than this activity or whatever it is. There's so many examples. Again, you'd be more of an expert on that than me. You could think of a bunch of examples, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think, Somebody put it to me once that coaching is a mini experiment every day. And, and I think that that is fair, a fair thing to say. It's a mini experiment every day and, and, you're, and you're constantly shifting and elaborating and updating and putting new things in and taking things away. I do, however, feel, let's come back to there has to be some constancy, constancy of coach behavior. Maybe that's driven by your values, perhaps. Values, uh, your inner compass can drive a consistency of behavior. Maybe there are some frameworks in there, technical frameworks, tactical frameworks, physical, mental frameworks that are frameworks that are flexible, but give your players a sense of consistency. I think that that is important as well. I think that's a great point there. I think that that flexibility around the framework is well, that's essentially what makes it a framework um, mm. and not a model. It, it, there is a flexibility around it. It's almost just saying, no, here's, here's four walls to operate within. They're not going to be tight around you, but there are four walls around you. So just flex and go wherever you want within these four walls, if you like. Um, for, for lack of a better way of describing it, I think. Well, maybe a house, maybe a house with lots of different rooms and yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. be in the living room, but sometimes you've got to go off into the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if people can grasp that metaphor, I think maybe yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. I think even coming back to the idea of, you know, coaching in grey, I think, and it, this, is the, this is the one thing I do say about coaching, um, especially when you look at quote-unquote traditional methods of working when it's very much, you know, command-style instruction-based, um, even if you look at practices and the way they're delivered in terms of them being unopposed and maybe out of context, if you like, and, and you know, the one, the one thing is I'd argue is, is coaches, yeah, you might be getting success from some of the methods in which you're currently operating in. However, as, as you said, then, unless, unless there's some, you know, um, some particular behaviors taking place where you're putting people at harm's, harm's way, um, I don't necessarily think it's a case that anyone's arguing that some of these ways don't work. Um, I think more more the consideration is are we getting as much out of the time and effort we're putting in as we could be? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the that's the better way to maybe kind of look at it. So and, and rather than looking at it as well, what am I gaining from how I'm currently working? Um, maybe a better way to kind of review and reflect on your current processes is what am I missing out by continuing in this way? Yeah, and and I, and, I, and I suppose I'm horribly biased here, but I think that's why I like those three P's of participation, progression, and performance. The participation piece being the engagement piece. Am I am I engaging players? And you can relate this to the what, how, why. What was I doing to try to engage players to help them participate? How was I trying to do it? Why was I doing it in that way? And then were there better ways? Uh, progression, essentially helping players learn and maybe grow as people let's call it the learning piece what was i doing to help people learn my players learn how was how was i how was i going about it and why was i doing it in this way and then the performance piece if you're coaching at the competitive level and your session is about performance competing what was i what was i doing there how was i trying to do it why was i doing it in that way and so you know i think that that's a useful framework to utilize because really there's nothing there's not much else to coaching other than 
engaging people, human beings, helping them learn the game that they're engaging with, helping them get, if you want, as a coach, helping them grow as people, and then helping them perform. There's really not much outside of that. So that's a useful framework to utilize. I definitely agree with that. And Dan, you know, we've, we've covered a lot. And I think my little one wants to get involved in the conversation. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> um, but no, I, th- I think, look, uh, again, it's been a real pleasure having you back on. And I think just to kind of wrap up, you know, some really key messages around coaches, be vulnerable, you know, think about the considerations that we are currently making and how and how our players are perceiving things rather than just currently de- uh, delivering on things. Um, and just, just one for me. Remember whose choice the direction is of the journey. Um, the, that direction doesn't mean that we can't help them. Doesn't mean we can't, you know, support them in moving in a different direction. But remember that we're essentially anchors of support in helping participants, coaches, athletes, whoever, whoever we might be working with, on achieving a certain outcome. And it's not for necessarily us to decide what that outcome should look like. Um, or rather, if we are choosing the outcome and supporting them in that choice, then maybe it's helping them unpack and collaboratively unpack what the journey might look like along the way if that makes sense then i love it i love it as you've you've summed it up uh, far better than i could so yeah awesome well then look i just want to say thank you again for your time this morning um i don't know if you want to just maybe quickly give a quick insight around where people can get in touch with you or share some of your work I do. I, I do it as quickly as possible, so you can go and tend to your child. <laughs> so <laughs> catch me on danabrahams.com, um, where you can find my books, my online academy. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at danabrahams77 at Sports Psych Show, which is the Twitter handle for my podcast, The Sports Psych Show, um, and at Dan Abraham's Soccer Academy is or at uh, Abraham's. Uh, soccer I think it is which is a new one that I've started which is just purely for players um, simple ideas uh, Facebook at Dan Abraham's soccer Instagram at Dan Abraham's sport and I'm doing a little post on LinkedIn and Facebook every single day find me Dan Abraham Daniel I think it's Daniel Abraham's or Dan Abraham's on LinkedIn um, and those are the ways <laughs> you can you can follow me awesome Dan thank you very much for your time take care and I'm sure we'll be in touch very soon thanks buddy there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net we look forward to hearing from you let us know what you thought about today's episode and until next time guys take care Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.